All right. Hello and welcome back. This is Colin Keeley here. And I'm Brent Sanders. And we are two guys buying and building wonderful internet companies. And today is a wellness check on Brent. Brent, are you still alive after last week's episode? <laughs> Oof, we're good. This, it wasn't last week. That was like three weeks ago. And it was funny. <laughs> there were like multiple people who who reached out and were like, are you okay, man? I heard, I listened to that episode and let me know if you need any support. Let me know if you want to talk. I'm like, oh, no, 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 I'm good. It was, it was stressful, but you know, it's like these things happen and you know, it reminds you of what's really important, which is, you know, regular server monitoring and database connections. Those are the most important thing. No, your family, like it's a bigger picture. We're, we're not writing or managing software for like cancer patients. These are, we're allowed to have a little bit of a downtime and, and all in the spirit of making things better. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I guess maybe, did we not talk since then? Have we not recorded an episode since? No, it was very uh, concerning. About, we had know, this al alarming episode and then nothing for a couple of weeks from Brent. You know, no updates on Twitter. Yeah. Just oh, went man. Completely so dark. Why don't we, why don't we start? Yeah. Why don't we start mm -hmm. there? Let's complete that arc. So since then we migrated our database, which ever since that finished is it's been the performance of the application's been awesome everything's been working really well i mean we still have issues that are you know have come up even it's funny we we got an issue yesterday that's like same issues that we've had since we purchased the company that we're finally squashing getting to but a lot of issues have gone away and the main one performance is just you know we we got a, a the right size database we found a great database host that, you know, our database is a little weird. It has some dependencies that you can't just go to RDS, which is a popular, you know, it's Amazon's database solution. So we found an awesome hosting partner and migrated and, and the migration was tough. It was, uh, there was a lot to do because we have a lot of services, but we did that on a, what, 4 a.m. on a Sunday. And ever since then, things have been really smooth on Scout. Things like response times are down, tickets are down. You know, there's been no, no outages, no issues. And in fact, there was a, a big AWS outage, thankfully not in our region, like a week after we migrated. So things are, they're definitely on the up and up so, and I'm fine. I got some rest. You're sleeping. You're sleeping now. Yeah, I'm sleeping. I actually, you know, it was just father's day. I don't know. What did, did you do anything special for, for father's day? Did you get pampered and treated like a king? No, we went to my parents' house, just had people over. The family got to see Finn, which is cool. He's more, he's bigger and more interactive now, which is, you know, good. That's great. Yeah. I went down to Florida, visit my cousin who I, you know, I just, my wife and I were calculating and it wasn't really intended to be over Father's Day, which was a little sad, but you know, I, I just got away. I haven't been away from my kids. My wife travels a lot for work. She's back and forth to Chicago. She's back and forth to doing installs and projects. So she was like, why don't you take a weekend? go somewhere, just get away. I was going to get an Airbnb and like, just relax and do some work. I just thought it'd be a little sad and depressing to be kind of by yourself, especially on Father's Day. So I went down, visited my cousin who lives in Florida. He's got a pool at the house, you know, just hung out, watched terrible, you know, eighties movies. Like we watched, I think almost all the Schwarzenegger movies from the hmm. the eighties, the, from Commando to Predator and, and onwards and just napped. It was great. I just caught up on my sleep and eight. And it's funny as you get older, like what passes as a, a vacation seemed like, you know, really, really boring, but it was just great. I took like two naps a day, slept eight to 10 hours at night. It was, I came back feeling like human again. So it was great. I'm good. I'm Good. rejuvenated. Glad to hear it. 
<laughs> you look like you've been up to some interesting stuff again. You telling more stories on, on Twitter and, and wherever else of some vertical, interesting vertical software in the flooring industry. Yeah. I hadn't written any, written anything in like two weeks, maybe a little more. And I felt bad. Like I, I felt like I was just, you know, fell off the rocker or something. So it was good to get another one out. Feel like you're productive again. But so this one, I've been following this guy on Twitter for a while and he is, he has like no followers. He like 3000 followers, but I find it to be one of the most interesting stories in like a crazy pivot situation. So he builds software for vertical markets. So like retailers. So it's an all-in-one marketing and management platform for flooring retailers. Today, they have 3,500 retailers on the platform, but it started out as a very different business. So the founder's name is Todd Saunders, and he had a co-founder at Google as well. And so they were working on helping businesses grow with ads. They became really good at optimizing these ads and then spun out to start AdHoc, which is a, you know, it was a company to do that. They raised some venture capital. They grew nicely. So they grew to 50 employees over three years, you know, low single digit millions in revenue, but their retention wasn't great. So it was a generic ad tech company, wasn't anything special. Their biggest com customer was in flooring. And so their retention in flooring was 95% while it was 80% with everyone else. And so Todd went to a flooring conference to learn more. And they told him to stand on a stool in the corner and to talk. And he like kind of discovered that this is a huge industry, a $90 billion market, you know, floors are everywhere. And it hadn't really been touched in te by technology in any real sense. So they thought there was an opportunity to become the vertical software company for the flooring industry. And they ended up buying FloorForce, which was their biggest customer, which offered ads, but also like a variety of other digital services. And that was back in 2018. So they had no background in the industry. And, you know, when FloorForce sold, the founder jumped in a pool. And there's a good photo of it on Twitter that I added. But yet during 2019, they set out to become the all-in-one flooring platform. They fired all their non-flooring customers. Revenue dropped from 6 million down to 3 million. It was tough. They had to let go of a bunch of people and the full pivot took a year. And then in 2020 and 2021, they grew their product offerings through acquisition. So kind of an unconventional approach. And each purchase kind of leveled up their product suite that they're able to offer to these end customers. So they did acquisitions, CRM, building websites, product visualization, an ERP and payment processing, another website purchase, and then another ERP. So kind of rolling up the industry, taking a private equity approach to this kind of you know, venture capital-backed company. And the other kind of crazy things they did here, they had a very unconventional go-to-market. So they started the premier flooring conference to gather the industry in one's place. So a fancy conference was unheard of in such a like boring industry. Normally it's just these like kind of crappy trade shows. And they did the first one digitally. They got 3000 attendees. And now the majority of their sales come from this conference. And like the day they do it is their biggest sales day of the year. And it outpaces like the, every other sale, you know, that happened up to that point in the year. Their other big thing is they have a Facebook group. So they built a 4,000 plus member Facebook group for flooring called the beat the big box stores. Todd used his personal Facebook account to friend all the members. He unfriended all his friends. And then he responded to every single post and comment to kind of get it off the ground. And today, 20% of all their inbound leads come from that Facebook group. And one of the big things they do is they went through the industry and kind of digitized all the products. 
And so they have this huge product catalog that no one else has. And they use that as a website like Wedge. So they demo the website to potential customers and they show that it's super easy to make it so they could show like what products they have for sale. And then most of these customers either don't have a website or it's horrible and the value kind of clicks right away in that demo. And they use that kind of wedge to get people in the door. They do it for very cheap. And then they, these customers get so many new leads that they realize they need proper software to manage everything. And then they upgrade to the rest of the, the Broadloom portfolio of products. And as far as results, Revenue dropped from 6 million to 3 million with a pivot, and then it grew to 22 million in just a two-year period with this kind of roll-up approach and this unconventional grow-to-market. And then they raised a $60 million Series B at a $220 million valuation in 2022. So the takeaways, so niche down to grow, examine what your best customers have in common, gather your industry together digitally with groups, and then physically with in-person conferences. And then find your wedge product. So a suite can be overwhelming, but a simple website is like a great stepping stone into your larger product offering. Which is funny. We, we are, you know, have been having a lot of discussions around these sort of wedge products. Like Scout is a great example of, you know, you have a customer, they have clear need by using your software, but then there's like a huge set of opportunities because they're running a local business. They want there's all sorts of add-ons that you can throw in there that either you charge for, or in this case, you kind of offer something on the cheap that's like, oh, this makes the value proposition even better. You know, we've talked about things like reputation management, you know, whether it's just requesting more reviews or local SEO or paid advertising research and, you know, operations. Like people are, they're, they're, our customers are largely dog walkers, right? They're, they're out on the street that some of them have an office person that does something that, but they're, they're busy all day. They don't have time. And plus they don't know it, but they know they need new customers. And so it's a great way to, I think, put this down is, is like that to me is a great takeaway of like, Hey, the more you can kind of offer less to just for cash, right? Like of, Hey, we, we want to add, you know, 500 bucks a month to your membership or your, your, your plan, but more so like, Hey, you should use us because you'll get this for cheap or, or something along those lines. Yeah, I love this concept of like, what is the no-brainer offer? Like, what can we do that immediately clicks, gets people a door, it's you know, free or very cheap. And then once you get kind of them locked in, there's a million things you could do to, you know, we have existing customers, they have a million needs. You could do reputation management, you could do SEO marketing. You know, you could sell additional services into them, but it's like, what's that first thing that gets people going? But the, I did have a question, right? So like it, Broadloom, it was started by, you, you mentioned that an ex-Googler. So this guy, Todd Saunders, like it seemed like the only thing that helped him do this, you know, his Google experience was, was mainly the AdWords thing. Was, is that right? Or is it, were there other parts of this that, you know, whether, hey, there was a clear technology and influence or something along those lines? No, it was, I think they realized retention wasn't great and they built a solid business, but it felt a little shaky. It was just like, you know, there was a growing market there. Everyone wanted ads. Ads were like kind of a newish thing. But yeah, there's people chiming in now, like that were investors and like, yeah, it sounds just as crazy as it does in the thread. Like we all thought it was nuts when he did it, but you know, clearly it was very successful now. 
But yeah, they had no background in the industry. They just kind of stumbled on an industry they thought was good. And like we've talked about lifeboats a little bit on companies of like, you know, this is going fine, but like, is this other thing like what we should actually be doing and we should pivot the whole thing? That was definitely the situation for yeah. them. But the one thing that I left out of the story a yeah. little bit is they were venture backed and they had, you know, capital. So it's like, how do they out of nowhere buy up the industry and kind of roll it up? It's because they had some capital to do so. Makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's a great, you know, great breakdown. One of those are always interesting. Always good to see. Always, you know, good to look at those as a takeaway. Do you have anything that you kind of look at that story as like a key takeaway? So I love the idea of kind of aggregating your industry or becoming like the meeting place for it. Setting up a conference sounds like a tremendous amount of work, but setting up a Facebook group is not as bad. So I would think yeah. of starting there in like, you know, building Facebook groups. We have dog walker Facebook groups, or I'm a part of some, we didn't start them. It would be something like that. I think that's an easy playbook kind of across industries to do. Yeah. The other thing he did is he gave his personal cell phone to every customer, his, the first 3000 customers, which is a pretty wild thing. I, I know a lot of customers that have my phone number. I get text messages and it honestly, it works. You know, it helps diffuse a lot of situations that otherwise, you know, our support people are great, but on certain situations, you kind of have to have a little delicacy. Delicacy is probably not the word. You got to be a little bit more delicate. You have to kind of understand the context and no one's abused it. You know, it, everyone's been super respectful and no, I have a family and other things going on, but uh, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it, especially if you want feedback and you want it regularly and you're building a new product or you're changing a product, it's, it's good to have a shorter loop. Yeah. My other just kind of big takeaway is like this playbook, I think works in basically every industry and you can copy you know, most of it and apply it to just whatever boring industry you kind of have exposure to. I think that big question is like business management for X, like that software becomes very large and kind of overwhelming. Mm -hmm. um, so it's always back to like, find that wedge product of like, what's the simplest version of this that provides value for people then, you know, kind of grow from there. Yeah. Cool. And then switching topics a little bit, you are, when are you, you moving to Austin soon? I know you're kind of undergoing the, the house hunt or you've, you've secured a house or you found a house and got an offer accepted. When do you expect to make the big move? It's an open question. I feel a little afraid of jinxing it, but yeah, in theory, oh, right. we yeah. are closing mid-July, but it's 200 degrees in Austin and I don't have any intention of really being there until like probably September. My wife starts in October, Nice, but yeah, it's a crazy process having done you know multiple business acquisitions and never bought a house before. And so the Austin market is maybe a little different. I have friends in Chicago, but I guess across the board, supplies is very, very low. So the prediction is that the people with these, you know, like yourself, have really nice mortgages with low interest rates. They're just going to stay put and they're not going to move because yeah. any movement would be like, oh, my mortgage is twice as expensive now for like a, you know, half a nicest house. So the yeah. theory is that no one's going to move until they have to. And supply is just going to be severely constrained as long as interest rates remain high. So that creates like this kind of buyer frenzy, which wouldn't make sense with mortgage rates being high and it's more expensive, but there's just so little supply that like, in Chicago and in Chicago suburbs where my friends are looking at buying homes, everything is a bidding war. So some of it is maybe pricing. You're pricing a little under, but like no home is selling for under the list price. Everything's going for above. Everything's multiple bidders. And then people are like basically bullied into waiving all contingencies. You're buying the house as is, like no inspections or anything. 
But that's, you know, Chicago, and it seems like good chunks of the U.S. Austin is a little different. So we have been, I've been studying the market for kind of months. It's down probably like 20% in the centrally located neighborhoods, which some people would say, you know, the peak was kind of not real. It was like overly high. But what mm -hmm. sellers are being coached to do is keep the home on the market for 30 days at list price. And most of the comparable companies we, business, comparable homes we've seen, <laughs> I keep wanting to say companies were buying it. Right. Went for with like a single offer. There weren't multiple offers. And like 80% went for about list and only like some went mm. below list. But then you do a normal inspection. And in Texas, they have this thing called an option period. So we saw the home online. Our realtor went out there like, you know, within a couple of days of it being listed and she sent it to us and then we got it under offer in, in Texas, you have this option period. So you put down like $500 in earnest money, and then you basically have the option to buy the home for like seven to 10 days. And so we were able to fly down okay. there, check it out, thumbs up, thumbs down, do the inspection, do the negotiation and everything. And then you close, you know, 30 to 45 days later in theory, but yeah, everything checks Fingers out. Fingers crossed. I hope it works out. Yeah. Buying homes, always weird. I mean, it, we sold and bought a home and during COVID and it was felt really crazy then. I can't imagine now. I mean, and we, we really had a hard time finding a new place and we relocated our family to, to Ohio. It was like a, it was a whole thing. It felt really strange. And before that we moved almost every year, like rental, we, we've owned homes before, but mainly just renting without kids. And I think we're we're going to stay put for at least another 10 years. I think I, I say that now my wife will probably impose another move. Who knows? But I think we're, this is our, this is our, we're staying put for a while. I just, the fact, forget the financial part, but then the, the moving itself, I don't think I can, I don't think I can do it again. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to it. It's coming up here. So <laughs> like, we're not moving out of Chicago until like later in July, at least. And then probably spend okay. most of August, like in Wisconsin of sorts. And then September, we're traveling for a bit. So kind of bouncing around all summer. Very yeah. cool. It'd be good to be you know, landed and settled by the fall, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Well, glad to hear. I think that's all I got. Anything else you want to cover? No, out of town this week. Get back for more next week. Cool. Sounds good. Right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Take care. Bye-bye.